because I know folks are waiting. I know, I know people were like, it's not six o'clock. This is not CPT time. <laughs> but uh, you know, we were just having a little discussion backstage. But ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a special, special a conversation with, and I'm your humble host, Floyd Marshall Jr. And today I am joined by some absolutely amazing people. Um, this is going to be a phenomenal show. It's going to be an informative show, and hopefully you will walk away with it armed with information that will make you a better business person in this industry of film. So we're going to get right to it. Uh, I'm going to have each of the panelists introduce themselves. But before we get into that, this is called Will the Changing Landscape of To Be Affect Black Filmmakers? So we're going to jump right into it and we're going to start from the top and we're going to work our way down. So, Omega, introduce yourself. Oh. Hey, I'm Omega Keys. I am a filmmaker, been in the industry for a while now. <laughs> um, <laughs> Since we're talking about Tubi, I do have a few films on Tubi as well as other platforms. And I'm just excited to talk about these changes because I have been through the changes with Amazon, so I'm not scared. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Bazemore. I'm Tuan Bazemore. I am a director, cinematographer, and a colorist. And I'm very much interested in this topic because the pipeline for color and deliverables based on what Tubi is talking about is a very interesting topic to, to uh, cover in this live. Mr. Guess. Hey, what's up, everybody? I am Hilliard Guess. I'm the co-chair of the Committee of Black Writers at the Writers Guild, as well as the uh, Writers Education Committee. Um, been there for a long time. <laughs> seen two strikes, so it's been a lot. <laughs> um, and uh, I am also uh, recently, I was the the um, head of development for showrunner Ben Watkins at his company, got to staff a couple shows, and uh, I am currently producing a um, companion piece to our, our big detective show on Amazon right now. So, okay. And last but not least, Miss Yancey. Hey, 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 what's up, y'all? This is uh, your girl, Tiffany Yancey, um, <laughs> screenwriter, actress, producer, uh, professor, been in this game for about 20 years, started as an actress. I still, I'm still an actress, but the writing kind of has, has taken over. I've uh, been writing for over uh, 10 years. I have about two projects currently on BET, um, uh, two more on the way, one uh, Moneymaker, which is a crime drama, and I have a new project with Country Wayne that I'm currently collaborating with. And um, yeah, I'm just really happy to be here because uh, I started in the independent space, still there. And um, yeah, I'm really excited to talk about these changes with Tubi. So. Okay, well, let's, let's get right to it. A couple of weeks ago, I was on Instagram and a young lady by the name of Showrunner, I can't remember her real name, but Showrunner, she did an Instagram live and she was talking about what she was seeing on Tubi and how basically the face of Tubi was changing. And she talked about what she saw in the queue. Basically, when you turn the television on and you turn on Tubi and films pop up on the screen, certain films are popping up on the screen and the vast majority of them are studio films. It didn't used to be that way. 
So I'm just going to give you a, a quick history. Um, Tubi started back in 2019. I hope I got that right. And they had about 25 million subscribers. To date, they have close to 70 million subscribers. And a lot of those subscribers were built on the backs of black talent because you had a lot of uh, black filmmakers that actually found a home on Tubi when they couldn't find a home anywhere else. But as with anything, everything changes. And this is something that I've talked about over the years um, because it happened at Netflix and it happened at Amazon. And we're, and we're gonna really get into that. But I just wanna give you guys a little history on what's going on with Tubi as we speak. Um, Hilliard, I sent you um, something from Film Hub a few days ago. But these are the partnerships from 2023 that Tubi entered into. Warner Brothers Discovery, they entered into a partnership with Warner Brothers Discovery. They also entered into a partnership with The Blacklist where they're gonna um, introduce five scripts to, to their fast channel, basically free ad supported TV. The NBA G League went into a deal with Tubi. Universal Media Group uh, went into a deal with Tubi. Um, so they're gonna be showing Before the Fame with Mike Sherman on there. Vice just entered into an agreement with Tubi and they are um, slated to release five new original documentaries. Now the black script um, went into an agreement and they're gonna have scripts written in five categories, sci-fi, faith, comedy, romance, and a wild card category that can be any genre except the ones um, that I just named. All of that in 2023. A few years ago, Amazon used to take anything and everything. There was basically no curation. And you could go on Amazon and, and you could see anything and everything. And then one day, a lot of filmmakers woke up and their films were gone. Mm -hmm. And basically what happened was Amazon was, was, was stepping up their game. The same thing with Netflix. You are seeing that happening on Tubi. So I wanted to get some folks together, namely people of color that have been in this business for a long time that have generated content, they're in these spaces and they can kind of see the tea leaves. So I, you know, I got together these phenomenal people and I just really wanted to get you guys thoughts on as filmmakers of color, the change is coming, whether they like it or not. Um, some people are pushing against it, saying, oh no, they're not going to do that. But again, Film Hub just sent out a letter to every single person that has content on Tubi, they're no longer going to be doing ad sharing. They're going to do a flat fixed rate if you have a film on Tubi. Change. So I just wanted to talk to you guys for about an hour or so and, and to get some insight on how can Black content creators basically stay above the fray and, you know, in the long run, hopefully keep their content on Tubi. Floor is open. Can I speak since I survived please, Amazon? Please. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, see, I started on Amazon in 2015. So when that big wave happened, that sweep, 
um, I wasn't one of the filmmakers that got kicked off. I got the emails. I got the notices that they were going to do a clean sweep. And of course, I was nervous, but I survived it. And that was because the quality of my films at the time. So one thing that as Black filmmakers, we're going to have to do is step up the quality. Um, stop stop allowing the uh, the freaking, what do you call the thing that's always beeping in the background? The smoke detector. <laughs> to be moving all the way through your film, stop that. Um, get have your sound better. Get the color lighting, lighting, lighting all of that. Yeah. You know, you have to step it up and you learn it. You know, I'm I'm a filmmaker that, and I do all of the above. I edit my own films too, but I learned how to do that. Mm-hmm. And currently, I'm waiting for two of my films to release on Tubi right now. They've been sitting there um, since November, but with these changes, they knew these changes were coming. Yeah. So my films are just sitting there waiting. There, but, but here's the thing: they got picked up on Amazon, so I already know I'm good to go for two because you know of the quality. Because Amazon is way more selective with what they're choosing. You know, now they're not letting everything on there. Like what you see on Tubi now. Some of those films you don't see on Amazon. So it's stepping up the quality of it. And I know a lot of us don't have a lot of budgets, but you're going to have to learn to work within your budget to produce a higher Mm -hmm. quality film. And that's going to be the key um, to staying up on there. Agreed. Can Mm -hmm. I interject? Um, So I noticed they call it black cinema on Tubi, by the way, which I find interesting. It just sounds so seventies to me. Like it's like black exploitation. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Um, But there's there's a couple things that I was thinking about, and I'm curious, Floyd, in your research, and all of you, have you guys figured out if since we went on strike, and I was very involved in strike, as you know, Floyd, is did that make the change for Tubi to go? Whoa, we need to pivot this way. Or do we all think this was coming? Do we think it was like, like it just, just here's an example. And I'm, I know you got something right there. Um, how do you say, how do you say it? Omega. 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 My apologies. Oh, um, you're people fine. can't say Hilliard either, so I get it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, but I always say, like, um, I always think things are in a cycle. So as you know, Floyd, when when George Floyd was killed. Um, we put out that Dear Hollywood letter that went viral, right? And when we wrote that letter to Hollywood, everybody was like, how can we be down with y'all? So I said, okay, I'm going to give them two or three years. It's going to be a cycle. They're going to be all in us, and then it's going to go right back to exactly what is happening. They brought, They started all these diversity you know, inclusion, equity, you know, divisions, and all of them are gone by the wayside in three years. You know what I mean? So so I'm just saying that to say to preface that, that I feel like, I think they figured out the formula that in Hollywood in particular, music and film and TV, if you want to get people down, you get the black people involved, they build it, and you, I hate to say the word, tear down, but you at least... You, you use it to do what you need to do, and then you move on to do your thing. That's what I think happens. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, just uh, if you guys remember, this is just this, when you were talking about that, um, Fox, back in the day, <clears throat> had hit shows like Martin, Living Single, 
mm-hmm. right? No, nobody wasn't really checking for Fox like that until these black shows came on. Right. And then eventually those shows were canceled, phased out, but the popularity for Fox, so then they brought in like other, you know, other white shows. So I definitely see that this is just, a, like you said, Hilliard, that black folks, we are going to, we want, if anything, we're going to watch a good movie. We want to be entertained. We <laughs> want to watch some stuff, whether it's hood, whatever it is, we want to watch some good content and we are loyal to entertainment. So they know that. They know that we're going to consume content, um, not to say more than anybody else, but we are definitely, there is a market for us, of course. So they're going to cater to that. Then they say, okay, you know what? All right, we are, our, our platform is at a certain level that we you know, want it to be. Now, yeah, now we're just going to usher out, you know, kind of like the, the foolishness and then we're going to bring in, you know, the, the quality work. So, um I mean, in a sense, I'm not, like I said, I knew that this was going to happen. I knew that Tubi wasn't going to stay Tubi um, for so long because, again, it's about they want to compete with the Netflix and the Hulu and these other streaming platforms. They can't do that being, you know what I mean, Tubi was getting the bootleg streaming network. You know what I mean? That was just what it was called, you know. But in a sense, I was... I liked it because it did give independent filmmakers a space to at least put their work up and make, you some, know, money. make some money, right? Mm-hmm. Make some money, you know, make some money. But on the other hand, some of the stuff you see on there, it's like, come on, man, like y'all for real, like it yeah. was just, just lazy. Like, yeah. come on. You know what I mean? So it's like we crossing have- the line, all kind of stuff. Just <laughs> oh hard. man, just I mean it's yeah. hell. But I'm yeah. tell- I, I follow a group and it's a Facebook group called the Best Tubi Movies. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm in a lot of those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen, those folks are serious about these Tubi movies, mm-hmm. and the good. Well, the thing I liked about it is that you didn't have to be a star. You didn't have to be have a, a known name. If it was just a good story, if it was entertaining, they didn't care about the lighting, the sound, if right. you were a named person. So it did give, like I said, an option for independent filmmakers to starting out to make some money, at least try to make their money back. But it's right. like, let's now improve our skills. Let's 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 step it up a bit. And because eventually this is what's gonna happen. And then you're gonna have to actually compete with other quality projects. So like I said, I think it served its purpose for the independent uh, film space, but now it's like y'all got to step your game up. You know, you know what I, you know what I think it is too. I think it's they have a new CEO. I think her name is uh, yes, Anaj. Anaj. Oh gosh, I wrote her name down, but it's Anaj. From Vimeo that switched over and Vimeo. Yeah, from, from Vimeo. And so yes. her whole thing was about consolidation. Mm-hmm. You know, she helped. Mm-hmm with the bottom line and everything. So bringing her over to Tubi, being that Blacks actually lifted Tubi up, made gave it a whole lot of content. Now Tubi is going to film festivals and they're acquiring films. Yep. They're also doing in-house projects. So with growth comes change. So they're definitely going to want to compete with uh, Netflix. So much so that Netflix has a white paper if you guys go there and you see their technical specs, they have what they would like, what they will, um, mm-hmm. what are the requirements for shooting Netflix projects or yeah. the the base quality they will accept when they go to a film festival. Tubi is going to do the exact same. So mm-hmm. it, it, it goes in line with 
how you shoot your project, because you know, garbage in, garbage out. So how you shoot it, how you take it through post and how you deliver it. And a lot of times people get hung up on the delivery part because they don't understand that there's different things. Oh, you're okay. <laughs> there's different things oh, yeah. that, that are required. <laughs> oh, you understand? <laughs> there's oh, different yeah. things that they require that a lot of filmmakers do not do a deep dive on. They just edit it, push it out. And sometimes when you're looking at it, you'll go, oh, this looks good on my monitor. But then will it transfer over to everyone's screen the same way? Right. Mm -hmm. so, there are certain specs yeah. that you have to hit um, behind mm -hmm. the screen. Even with Film Hub, they have the specs there. And I'm, I am in those Film Hub groups where people mm -hmm. can't even pass the quality control because exactly. they don't understand the metadata behind it. Exactly. Exactly. So let's talk about let's talk about that for a second, because basically you're talking about cura curating curation. And basically for a long time, and they talked about this with Amazon. I was listening to a podcast and they talked about this with Amazon, where for a very long time, Amazon did not curate its content. Mm -hmm. And it looks like for a very long time, Tubi did not curate its content because I'm sorry. First of all, as a <laughs> former filmmaker, God bless you, because it takes a lot to make a film. Yes. So for everyone who has ever picked up a, cam a camera and done this, God bless you. If your first film is crappy, I can attest to that because mine was, and my second one was okay. Most mine of our, mine absolutely. Mine was still yeah. acclaimed, but yeah. it doesn't mean it was perfect. Yeah. Right. But you don't stay there. But you don't right. stay there. <laughs> see, now, Steve, right. you don't, you see, now, don't get me started. Because I know, I know, I know is, Floyd was a, this was irking his soul. <laughs> this is something that I talk about all the time, and I'm gonna let you guys talk because this this is your this is for you guys. But this is what I say all the time. You're in the business of film. Mm -hmm. This is a business. And it, if your first film is okay, you learn from what you did wrong and you correct it. Right. But oftentimes when I look on Tubi, I'll see a filmmaker with multiple films. And I'm saying, why do I keep seeing the same mistakes? Why? So let's let's talk about that. Because again, with Tubi getting ready to change, and they've already talked about the fact that they are going to really tighten up on what they accept and what they won't accept. They said you can't even, certain people, you can't even get in touch with them anymore. You have to go through certain channels in order to get your film right. up on Tubi. So let's talk about how do these filmmakers get into the mindset of approaching this as they are a business and what they are releasing to the world is a product. I think it, I think it starts with just the simple photos that you post on Instagram. It tells you what people's taste is. Mm. Now, I mean, think about this when you, how many of your friends who are celebrities or coming up, most people with a blue check won't allow you to, to tag them and stuff. You know why? Cause they don't want to be photographed going like this. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And most people don't have that taste. It's kind of like what I'm going to kill your thing. Omega, am I killing it again? Omega. Oh, oh, with two E's. Two E's with the long, with the long thing over right. top. The, okay. Not the short vowel, the long vowel. I'll call you O. <laughs> you call me Mimi. Okay. 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 So Mimi, my cousin said. Um, <laughs> so 
I think piggybacking off of what you were saying earlier, Mimi, was something like, and I, you know me, Floyd, I talk about this with filmmakers all the time. One of the reasons why I'm really good at producing is I'm usually whoever's directing their third eye, right? I have a good eye. So I'm always looking at how we are framing something, how the color looks, how the actors are performing, all these different things. These are things you can learn, but you have to have the team behind you in order to make it work. Yeah. You know, now I'm all for, and I say it all the time, actors, writers, directors, you guys need to just be shooting shit as much as possible, especially in this climate where like I do a lot of TV and film, but in TV, you're in a writer's room. You may not even be able to go to set. You wrote a freaking episode of a show. When they finally do send you, you want to be able to deal with departments and have those conversations. Right. So even on the smallest projects, will at least somewhere something will become familiar to you. You know, you will be like, "Oh, I've been here before. I know what it's like to walk inside of the trailer and tell the actor this." <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. I know what it's like to be at crafty and have these situations happen. I know what it's like to put out a fire to let somebody go. All those things are just getting you ready to do the big stuff that Mimi's talking about, right? Well, you have to now turn up your, everything has to be turned up. That doesn't mean the budget has to be quadruple to make it look like that, though. That is another gift. That is when you bring in Tawan because mm -hmm. he's a super dope colorist who can make it look like a real <laughs> show. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because he did you a favor. I'm just, I'm not throwing you under the bus, Tawan. No, but no, I, I know. I'm right there with you. But those resources that the three of us filmmakers here have would be to call Tawan to make it look better. Mm -hmm. that you wouldn't be able to do. You know what I'm saying? It's the little things. I know I'm jumping all over the place. No, no. Actually, yeah. to further your point, if, oh, you're going to say something? No, I was just going to agree that, but basically, it's just a really, it depends on the individual. Mm -hmm. And honestly, in terms of your, like you said, your brand, your, your image, your integrity, like anything that I'm writing now, it's, my name is attached to it. So I want to make exactly. sure that it's good. Exactly. You know what I mean? So, it just really depends on the individual. I really think that by Tubi just allowing all types of stuff just to be up there, they kind of felt like, and people's eating it up. You know what I'm yeah. telling? Like the hooder, the hooder, the better. So yeah. they're like, well, why do I need, I don't need to have good sound, good lighting, because I'm getting views. I'm getting people watching my movie. I don't have to improve. But now, since this thing has changed, they have no choice but right. to level up. You know what I mean? So you have yes. to level up. You should want to level up. But unfortunately, some people just want to take the shortcut route. They don't want to put in the hard work. They don't want to wait and actually get the sound right, the lighting, you know, good writing, a good script. They don't want to put in the work. They just want to hurry up, put something out, throw it up on there mm -hmm. and try to make some money. Definitely. And that's what has been happening. But now it's like you want to be, you know, forced to level up or you're just going to be left where you are. Right. So, as simple as set design. Um, right. stuff, a lot of people, you can tell that they're using Airbnbs and stuff like that. And, and heaven forbid, I use Airbnbs when I film too. But you have to have the extra stuff to add to place mm -hmm. things on walls, lamps, pictures, things like that. Yeah, yeah. Matching some of the colors. You know, you don't want one person over here in flowers and the next person standing next to him them in stripes. The lighting. Make sure the yeah. hair matches. Like, you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Movie, you have to factor in all of that stuff. But, you know, sometimes with the independent films, they don't allow 
the time for that. They only care about, oh, what camera they're using. It doesn't matter what camera you're using if you don't know what how to put on your lens. Facts. Exactly. Yeah. You can choose you know, something I, on an iPhone and it can still look, the quality nice. look way better. Yeah. It depends on how you, you put it together. And there are lenses for those iPhones. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. 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 Yep. exactly. Right. But invest in it. Invest. That's what you know. Invest in those packages that you know. If you only, if you only have an iPhone, get the lighting equipment for it. Get an extra microphone. Get the, the equipment that goes with it to improve it to its best quality that you can. And again, it just goes back to the individual shooting it. This is your name is on this. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. if you're okay with it looking like, and this is this is going to be attached to your name forever, then, <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. it's like, you cannot, you know, make people want to, just like I said, when you right in our world right now, there's some people who live a certain way, certain lifestyle, mm-hmm. and they're, they're content with it. They're happy with yeah. it. You cannot force that. But if you allow a space where they can kind of come in and just, you know what I mean? Not having to, you know, really put forth some effort to put out some quality work, and that's what they're going to do. There's a there's a couple things that I see. I work with a lot of writers. I probably mentor 12 writers, right? <clears throat> and one of the things that I always see is this. And somebody hit on it a moment ago. It's it's a little bit of laziness, and it's a little bit of everybody thinks that that draft is is tight. Yeah. And everybody wants you to love everything they've done. Oh. Listen, don't get me started. And so, and it's the same thing. It's the same thing when they get to the point of filming, you know? And I always say this. I say, if I can usually tell or know when something's going to be really bad, especially if somebody sends me a short or even a feature film or a proof of concept, whatever, I can tell first frame. Mm As soon as it starts, three seconds, am I going to like this? I swear to God. This is like a script. Page one, I'm like, yeah. this is not opening scene. Yeah, I mean, you can it tell, capture your do attention. They, yeah. Do they have a grip? Do they have an understanding? Do they know how to draw you in? Do they use the prose right? Do they understand how to do transitions? Whatever it is you love, you mm-hmm. can feel it immediately. What I found is a lot of the films that I don't enjoy that aren't, let's say, done on a production value way that I would like. Mm-hmm. are usually a filmmaker who decided, well, I didn't want to watch other films to learn. I want to do me. And that is the, you can, this is the one business that doesn't work that way. Right. You have to know what the color was like in that movie to make your color be better than that movie. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You can't just assume it's going to be if you never saw it. Right. You, can't you know what the, you know the problem is? Don't want people, to people, people think that High quality is perception. Yes. It has nothing to do with that. High quality is technical. Right. It's like you're not going to output something like an MP4 for uh, to send to someone for review and think that that's the highest quality it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Because technically, that's called that's a low bandwidth quality. Right. So high quality is the output. It's if I'm working in a color space, let's say I don't want to get too technical, but I work in a color space that's for the web. There's no way that that's going to ever look better than Dolby Color. Mm-hmm. It's no way it's going to ever look better than DCP or uh, P3 in the theater. It's not because it's a higher quality, meaning it has more space to grow and mm-hmm. to push colors in different places. So when I'm talking to filmmakers, I'm not really trying to beat them down on if, if I don't like it because I'm a filmmaker and I don't want to get beat down. 
Sure. But you can give me feedback. You don't have to give me criticism. Criticism is one way. It goes and stops. But feedback I can grow from. And so a lot of times when I'm talking to filmmakers and they're and a lot of I'm going to be honest, a lot of times they don't want to hear it. They want to get mad. They want to fight. They Ooh. think I'm attacking them. I just, you know, it's whatever. But it's you like to fight to one. That's why. Huh? <laughs> what you say? You like to fight. That's all. <laughs> I'm from Jersey, man. I mean. <laughs> You're like, hey, well, it is what it is. Or is it new work? <laughs> Uh-oh, see? Uh, but, you know, when I'm trying to speak with them, I'm just saying that when I say industry standard, I'm not mm -hmm. saying, oh, everybody does it, do it. Right. It's that the industry adopted that method or that workflow, and it works for so many people that it became a standard. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason why it's like that it actually works. Right. If you're going to shoot a film, and you, I don't care what camera you use, like uh, Tiffany said, I mean, it could be on oh, the iPhone, works. it could still look good. Mm -hmm. If you understand how to use it, you can maximize the potential of the, the uh, tool that you're using. If you don't know how to use it, it's always gonna be subpar. Again, high quality is technical, it's not perception. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times people mm -hmm. say, well, that's just how you feel about it. No, it's not. <laughs> it's I how it's the money screen. that it drives to even film in a higher quality. Like, mm -hmm. you know, some people don't realize that if you're filming in 6K or 4K, you're going to need those, um, you know, I I use the 12 terabyte drives, but I use mm -hmm. multiple of them to get the footage on. And right. but that can allow you to edit um, better on the back end. Now, if I've just filmed in regular, you know, you know, HD. HD, yeah. <laughs> then you use that little bitty Seagate drive, but you're not going to be able to edit. You're not going to be able to zoom in on the edit to get those frames without being grainy. Right. And people don't understand it. Like you can't fix you can't fix everything in post. Mm -hmm. You so can't fix, fix anything it. in post, right? Especially if it's a horrible. You can just, it's a you horrible can just story. It. You can't fix it. Yeah, especially <laughs> if you start out with a horrible script. You right. can't fix that either. Yeah, so that, look, right. I mean, that, that's at the end of the day, like <laughs> you can have the best quality film, but if your story sucks, it doesn't matter. I'm a writer. I start with the story, and 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 the, like I said, the characters, the concept. You know what is new, what is different. You know what I mean. So that's where I'm kind of like focused on like the story. You know, how much time do they really invest in writing their script and getting feedback and making sure it really resonates yeah. with your audience and yeah. you know the, you know all that matters at the end of the day you can have a beautifully shot film but mm -hmm. if the story doesn't make sense if it's not relatable it doesn't resonate with your audience you know what I mean it doesn't it, it it doesn't matter so it does start with the writing so i'm really i'm actually excited that they to be is teaming with the blacklist and mm -hmm. offering this opportunity because hello, I'm gonna be submitting a couple scripts, okay? They are <laughs> listen, they are paying WGA minimum. That's huge for right. non non WGA writers like myself right. who want to get paid for our scripts. You know, for a you know in a on a WGA minimum level. That's huge for right. a new writer. So I'm really excited at the opportunity that they're offering. Uh, from the writing standpoint, because to be able to submit scripts and be able to, you know, if you get chosen to be paid on that level 
is is wonderful because you well we had a whole writer strike about you know last year because writers were not getting their just due so i'm really happy that they are offering this opportunity for writers like myself who have been putting in work and who have not been paid what they should have been paid well i understand like i said you're new so you have to pay your dues but now yeah. it's like okay i've kind of I'm, I'm putting some skin in the game and now i'm ready to be paid accordingly so um so yeah, I'm ready to get them coins. <laughs> so, so, so check this out, check this out. And, and this is what I forgot to mention earlier. I read an article uh, yesterday for, um, on Variety and Warner Brothers, Dis Warner Brothers Discovery just entered into a partnership with Tom Cruise. Mm -hmm. And he's going to be making original content for Warner Brothers. And if you don't think that content is going to end up on Tubi, think again, because um, basically the entire DC library is now going to be on Tubi. Mm -hmm. So this is what, and, 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 and ladies and gentlemen, please, please understand something. We are not here to scare you. That is not our intent. Our intent is to inform you. Our intent is to let you know what you are now up against. And that leads to my next question, and 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 Hilliard touched on it, of basically production value and commercial viabilities for your film when they are going on these platforms. So you have all you have a lot of filmmakers, and I'm just going to put it out there because it is what it is, with mediocre to subpar content on their on 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 the on the on the platform. It just is what it is. That is not a knock. If we're talking, as Tawan said, about industry standards, yo, shit ain't industry standards. Mm -hmm. And it is what it is. So this is the question that I have for you guys, and especially you, Mimi. <laughs> if you have a <laughs> film on Tubi that ain't up to snuff and you see what's coming, does Tubi or Film Hub allow you to pull your film? And I know you said there's no... <laughs> Not too much you could do with it in post, um, Twine. But is there a way that filmmakers that have um, films on Tubi that can be cleaned up? Because some of the stuff you can't clean up. Are they allowed to pull their films off the platform, go back in the post, clean up some sound, maybe switch out some shots, and then resubmit it to Tubi? Are they allowed to do that? Or what you have is what you have? No, you can actually do that. Actually, um, Film Hub absolutely allows you to do that. There was that movie Sloppy Seconds where they pulled it back mm. and then um, edited some stuff and then they put it back up on there. Um, I just did a director's cut for one of my films mm. where, you know, the first I gave, the you know, a longer version first because it was, you know, me writing the truth, the, the crime. And, you know, I wanted to get a little extra. But then I came back with a director's cut and you're able to do that. Um, depending on which company that you go through some some distributors won't let you do that but with film hub um they're just an aggregator you are your own distributor okay. through them so you have control over you can pull your stuff at any time pull it back clean it up but it's going to be up to tubi to make that decision now do they want your stuff back but i think now tubi is doing more where they're actually looking at the film and relying on the distributors and aggregators to actually actually watch the stuff so what they're even allowing from them like they have to be up 
to standard what they're even submitting to them now because they can't go out there and get the name of okay all you're doing is we're um sending crap from this people you're going to get known for that and two people stop you so you just have to be prepared but yes you can pull right now you can pull your stuff back and fix it i don't know what they're going to be like in the future well you know something there are um like you can't so fix it and post comes from the idea that if you're trying to shoot something really beautiful <laughs> and you don't you can go on the post and make it like you wanted it to look on set so yeah. you can't fix it in post you can save it yeah. and so mm -hmm. I, I i do i do oh gosh Bodie, seriously sorry it's my dog okay <laughs> <laughs> um he's like so, where's my cameo <laughs> <laughs> so no you you can't uh fix it in post but you can you can save it now the thing that a lot of filmmakers don't understand is this thing called archiving, where you archive the film without color on it. So whenever, let's say, a distributor wants to pick it up, they can color it the way that they would like it to have it out there. It could be um, uh, HDR 10, or it could be Dolby Color or the like. And so if you have a color baked in and it's a lower format, it's like they're going to grade on top of it. Now, they might save it, but it won't look as good. So I think when people are pulling films, it should be, it would be great when they pull it that they have the, the original footage. That way, when they bring it back, it's sharper, it's not muddy, it um, has good color fidelity. And also if you have original sound or you can make better sound, if you put it back, it can work a lot better. But I think that there's a lot of people who do not understand everything that goes on in post because your film, when you're shooting it, it's all theory. You know, it's out of order and everything. You mm -hmm. cut it together. That's where the movie is made in post. And I think there should be a lot more thought going into taking it through post and distribution. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, before Go that thought, I'm actually I have to run. I got to pick up my daughter from drama rehearsal at seven, mm -hmm. so it's six forty-five. How long are y'all going to be on here though? Because if I come back, I mean, I can come back. Probably like, like another come on back thirty minutes, forty-five minutes. <laughs> All right, or how all right. long the conversation goes. Okay, all right. Look, I might be back because this is good. I'm like, I'm really into this, so I'm like, damn it. So, all right, I'm going to work with my daughter. Hopefully, I come, I can come back, and y'all still on. Yeah. All right, Tiffany. So, what, what I was gonna say was, um, I spent a lot of time trying to talk to like first time filmmakers and stuff about like how to bring value into your projects, and. Because like one of the things that the reason I've produced so many projects is I've always been a fixer. So people, I'm usually brought in like at the last minute to come in and help somebody produce something, right? Mm -hmm. So I usually can figure out like what is missing, whether it's the great DP, whether it's the production value, whether it's, you know, we need a better actor, whether whatever it is, I can usually sense it depending on who the team is, depending on the locations, I can up those locations. Like I just know how to get things. Right. So I'm always telling uh, uh, directors, first time, the first time filmmakers, this in particular, producers or directors in particular, you have to start looking at things from a much broader stance. Mm -hmm. And what I mean is, and I think uh, Tawan and um, Mimi were talking about this a moment ago too, in their own way, is what do you see on the screen? Yes. What I'm always trying to figure out, right? So, for example, here's just a small little thing that I do sometimes when I'm on a set. Once we've set up 
the whole production, the trailers or wherever they are and everything's going on. This is in the indie world, by the way. So when you get to network, shit changes because the people are in their position and they don't want you touching shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the indie world, we all have six jobs. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm talking right. to you, okay? Now, so here's just an example of something I've done on probably 20 of my projects. Day one, we're in the middle of about to shoot something. <clears throat> the director says action. And I watch, I'm usually sitting at Video Village with my headphones on watching. After we've set up everything, I've checked with everybody in the departments, I do all my due diligence, right? And then I sit. I have a script next to me and I'm watching. The only time I interrupt the director is when I see something not right. So every time he says cut and he powwows with the DP, I do too. I'm right there. I don't have to say nothing. I'm just letting them know, bro, I'm here if you need something, right? right? And sometimes because they decide to do something at the last minute that they didn't tell you, all of a sudden they're moving, doing something that was not a part of the plan. Right. <laughs> you know? So I'm like, hmm, what happened to that plan we had, <laughs> right? So here's a, here's a small example. They'll be shooting something. They'll say cut and I'll watch it. And I'll go, I'll go, Mimi, come here for a second. We'll watch something on the monitor and I'll tell you, play it back. We'll play it back and I'll go, what do you see? And you'll go, oh, it looks good. And I'll go, let's look at it one more time. Mm-hmm. You'll do it again. I said, what do you see? I want them to see it. I don't mm-hmm. want to be the one going, oh, you need to do this. You need to do this. Right. I want them to go, oh, it does look a little flat. They go, yeah, if you just moved it a little to the left, now you can see all the way down the hallway and you got the little lights glistening. Now you got some more texture. You know, right? You're going against a flat wall, you know, whatever it is. And they're like, oh, yeah, you know what I mean? So I'm always trying to up them, if that makes sense. Right. Depth can always add to you. Um, I started in the hard knocks. Like, I started on a um, the film industry working on a TV show. So all of those things like that, those are definitely things I'm automatically looking at. And it's crazy because I also write, too. So right. even in my writing, when I'm thinking about setting up those shots to film, and because I'm also on one of the cameras, right. that is something that I am big on, you know, give me something to look at. Don't mm-hmm. give, like, how we're all looking right now, mm-hmm. don't give me this. <laughs> These flat walls. Right. You're mm-hmm. not giving me that. Give me something. Get, dirty it up a little bit. Give me something. You know, it's too clean. It's too perfect. It's too, you know. Give us something to make it look real, even if you have to move something in the background. Like, like what I would do for this shot here, I would put something in the back corner up over, over here, over here, right here. I would put something colorful, right, right there, and something, of course, on this look, from hand right here, this blank spot right here, right, to get it to split that difference. If I if I couldn't move the camera anywhere else, mm-hmm. you know. As when I'm when I'm not coloring, I'm and I'm a director or DP. If I'm a DP and I'm and have a white wall, that doesn't freak me out as a, as it would a lot of DPs because we have these things called a cookie law or a cookie, mm-hmm. and you just shine a light through it and it just kind of creates a pattern on the wall and breaks it up and give you a little bit of depth. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also know the story that I'm filming, so I think sometimes people get caught up in just the lens. Oh, this is the most popular lens. So I'm going to use this. I'm very, very, very deliberate. I know why I'm using the lens and I know what the lens is going to give me. So let's say like on my last film, I shot with nothing but um, 
vintage lenses because mm -hmm. the story I was shooting in a, a super 16 aspect super 16 aspect okay so I wanted that that same look that I saw from the movie Jackie with uh Natalie Portman I wanted that super 16 look because the story lends to that. And I and what happens is it pushes it more on, in the minds of the people of something with back in civil rights is gonna give that type of feel. So my framing, like I'm so glad Hilliard that you actually framed this, that that top, that picture at the top is not cut off because I would have had a Rain Man moment. Like, could he just fix that thing? <laughs> <laughs> it's, everything is in, everything is, perfect and mm -hmm. and symmetrical and i and i like that and i like to be able to shape like whatever comes into the frame if it's not important you got to remove it because mm. a lot of times like i like what you said about what you're talking about is color contrast you want to put color here because you want to break it up and it provides depth but yeah. it really matters filmmaking is about subtraction not addition even the format when we used to shoot on film, we still do to some degree, it's called a subtractive color. Mm -hmm. So it's about removing uh, and bringing in uh, color and, and bringing in depth and not just keeping things in the frame because we as humans, we're looking around and what's the brightest image? That's where our eyes gonna go to. And if your character is talking and we have so much stuff going on, we're gonna zero on those things and we're not we're gonna miss things. So when you're standing there, yeah, yeah, when you're standing there and you're looking and you're not telling the director and you want them to get it, it's because you're teaching them to have a good eye for what they're shooting. When you're adding the the, the color contrast, you're bringing the audience into that environment and you're mm -hmm. also helping the actor. And I think a lot of people really need to pay attention to that shit. Excuse my language, sorry. No, 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 this but is an adult like, podcast. It, it, it yeah, drives me up the frame it, <laughs> it just bothers me. I'm Sometimes I'm looking at someone's film and I don't like to really judge it and us like i'm i'm better i don't do that but i look at it and i go like what the fuck you could have just moved that mm -hmm. like why is that there why do i see the microphone and it's not like a soft shadow it's like a hard shadow, hard right. shadow on the wall. it's like right by the light <laughs> it hit the dude in the head bam he was, yeah. yeah you know what it's you know what it's like it's like this this right here in the yeah, shot that doesn't bother me because i know it's in, in, in at least it's in the right. corner and you know what it is yeah. it's not it's over right it's but not a if, light right yeah. but if i'm watching a film on television, unless unless it's satirical and yeah. it's supposed to be there, because I actually judge uh, with my film festival, I actually judged the film and I was so into the film. And then the next thing I know, uh, the characters in the bathroom and the cameras behind them and I freaked out and I, I cut the film off and I emailed <laughs> the filmmaker. I said, now, before I finish watching this film, I need you to answer me one question. Was Wait a minute, you cut delivery? the film off? Yes, I did. I, I was judging a film. And I and I because you know what it was a good film up until that point. And mm -hmm. if I'm about to select this film for the film festival, I need to know if that was a deliberate was that a deliberate shot. And once they clarified, yes, that was a deliberate shot because we wanted to tell that particular scene from a particular viewpoint. And then after that, not a problem. But unfortunately, you have too many filmmakers. And and, and answer this for me: you have too many filmmakers that are in a rush to get to the red carpet. Yeah. yeah. And it's not about, because I've seen some films on, on the Tubi platform and I've gone into the Facebook group and they're very excited about the red carpet um, premiere, but I've watched your film on Tubi and I'm saying to myself, that venue money 
that outfit money that 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 wet bar money should have gone into your film so my question to all of you guys is how do we get and especially our filmmakers these these filmmakers of color because you're getting left behind how do we get them to a mindset of you gotta put out the absolute best product possible because as someone said earlier you're competing you're not competing against the united states you're competing internationally against films from all over the world so how do we get black filmmakers into a mindset that i have got to release the absolute best product possible to to even get noticed how do we do that can i piggyback off of something you just said though right please before we answer that, if you don't mind. No, please. It brought me to something that Mimi was just talking about a moment ago about the script. Because, you know, that's my thing. Mm -hmm. And so here's the thing that I noticed, talking about what you were talking about with the films. Mm -hmm. So my man shot, a, he did a shot that came out of nowhere, is what I'm hearing. It's kind of like in a, in a script. You have to set the rules. Right. It's the same thing in the movie. You can't just give me a new shot that doesn't work with what is happening with the rest of the film. It's mm -hmm. gonna jolt you like it did you. You can't go, oh, I got a great idea that's got nothing to do with this movie at all. It has to still work with the story or you will be jolted. And it's the same thing with the, with the, with the script. You can't add in a whole nother um, um, device if it wasn't all of a sudden they start doing voiceovers 45 minutes into the movie. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or whatever. I'm just throwing out something in general. Like you can't just throw in something that you didn't set up. You have right. to set it up. It's the same thing with when you're shooting. You have to establish a style that in this world, we use drones. In this world, whatever, you know what I mean? In right. this world, there's lots of dolly shots. Whatever your style is, you have to establish it. You know what I mean? That's my, sorry. It has to be for a purpose. Yes. With whatever you're doing, those yeah. transitions they need to matter. At least if you're gonna change the viewpoint, have a transition to get us there. Like start one way and then move the camera behind them. Add some movement, and that'll help the viewer's eye as well. But Floyd, to answer your questions, how do we get the people um, to step up their game? Basically, you can't make people care. Mm. Just like yeah. just like everyday life, how you know some people say, "Oh, I don't." you know, going out in a bonnet or something like that. For me, I don't care about all that because if that's you, that's you. But I'm not going outside like that. It's the same concept. You have to get, you have to care in order for anything because some people just feel like, oh, well, whatever. They just going to watch whatever. Well, if I'm, I mean, they feel like Tubi is free. And so, well, since it's free, I don't have to care. Well, you're going to care when your film's no longer up on there. If you want to compete, you're going to step up. Just like when Amazon changed, or I'll take it back even further. She brought up Fox, Fox News, Tiffany did. I will take it back to the, the switch from UPN to CW. They started putting mm, yeah. more money yeah. into those, those white teen films. Mm -hmm. They started giving them more a bigger budgets because they cared more for how those would look versus the budgets that they gave to the black films. The black films could not step it up on purpose because they were not afforded the same budget as those other films, they put more money in. So the network cared when it switched over to the CW because they gave them more money for those shows. They didn't care 
when it was the black shows, it was, oh, you can get whatever you get. I mean, and it's the same concept now because I have worked on so many shows. I have worked, okay, example, I have worked for Marvel, right? I have worked on Captain America and I've also worked on Black Panther. Panther. Even though Black Panther broke all of those freaking records, the budgets for those shows were two different things. Why? Because they cared more about Captain America and they didn't expect Black Panther to do what it did. But guess what? Ryan showed up and showed out because mm -hmm. he had a vision and made it do what it do because he was an independent filmmaker first. Right. He Who cared how he was in the frame. Yes. And he wasn't so big that he um only depended on his eye he would sit there look i was a stand-in and this man sat there and would ask me what did i think and i'm like who are you talking me <laughs> what i think about yeah he's like do you think that's a good shot what would you do he was that type of person he wanted to make sure that what we were seeing visually mattered and he wasn't just dependent on he wasn't dependent on there were a lot of white eyes on set but he was dependent on what the black eye saw as well to make sure it was something that we wanted to feel in the story it felt like us through the lens if yeah. that makes sense he wanted to make sure um of that part within that story <laughs> gotta care well you know what you gotta be in the room so there's a lot of times that people will assume how something is supposed to be and they are giving the tools to do to make something better but they don't want to do it because they're never in the room they're never mm. in the place where people are making decisions mm. so what what happens now now they have to step step up their quality by attrition you know so now Tubi is clamping down if there's another stream out there if they clamp down they're gonna be forced to have better quality or not be in the game at all but if they're in the room where people are making decisions, where they're watching people, their age or the like, uh, making strides and getting into uh, other rooms and getting deals and everything, they will have to adjust to that. Because mm. if they if they don't, they get left behind. So sometimes it's forced and sometimes it's just them being in a room. But the biggest thing is, the two biggest things is honesty. Honesty is the first thing. If people around you aren't telling you the truth, they're hurting you. So that's the first thing. The second thing is understand you don't know nothing. If you don't, if you don't know, it's okay. It's literally okay. I had to teach myself sound design and mixing because my wife and I pay a lot of money every month just to, to live where we are. So on this film, we could not afford the team we had before. So I had to do it. Mm -hmm. But it took me a whole year to learn. And I didn't care if I missed the festival season. This one colorist told me a long time ago, his name is David Hughes. He works for Company 3. He said, it takes what it takes. Mm. That's applicable to every part of life. It takes what it takes. So if it took me a year to learn how to do these things, whatever. If it takes me a little bit longer, whatever. Because when I put it out, my fingerprint has to be on it and I only have my name. And I think if people are approaching making a film, it's your name, it's your legacy. This is the embodiment of your work. You have to give a damn about it because if you don't care, no one's going to give a shit. And so it starts being in the room. Can I, can I interject something? So <clears throat> I talk about this a lot on my show on Screenwriters Ramming. 
I talk about this. Great podcast. Check it out. Screenwriters Rent Room. You must listen. Go subscribe. Um, here's something I talk about a lot. Having done independent and network. There's only really, and you probably know this too, Tuan, as, as do you, uh, Mimi. Here's the, here's the interesting thing. There's only really, this is just my opinion, three big elements that are the same between the both of them. One, and uh, let's take uh, uh, let's take a network project. You have more people. It's more money, mm-hmm. and the turnaround is faster. Yes, very fast. When you're in an independent world, you have less people. Yep. You have less money, and you're dealing with the turnaround. Is well, whenever Tawan has finished with this project and he could get in. Yeah, that's when we gonna be done with it, and then right. we gotta lock it, and then we gotta, you know what I mean? <clears throat> so, you're in the indie world. The only thing that changes is you still may be shooting. Like I always tell people all the time, I shoot things for like half a million dollars, you know, million dollars, whatever it is. We still have trailers. We still have a celebrity in it. Yep. We still have everything that you have on a big set. The only big difference is they had more money to do it. They had more people, and they were able to turn it around faster than we were. Yeah, because everybody's getting paid all the way through. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They are literally editing while they're going, and you know that, Tawan, yep. <laughs> right? Yes. So that is the difference where we have to go through the process, finish it. Mm-hmm. We might have to do a reshoot, but do something, and then we go into post. It's just a little bit backwards. Yep. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And and still, you're getting favors left and right. Now I'm waiting for Tawan to be available. I'm waiting for Mimi to see right. if she can edit. You know, whatever the hell it is. So it's all on their time and they're busy working on three other things. So they're squeezing you in because you, right. you're not paying them what they would normally make. Right. You know what I mean? So it's always a process, but it's still the same. Yeah. You have to treat it the same. You have to yeah. still make it feel like it's a $5 million if it's one. Yeah. And the organization before you even get to set is what helped you get there. There are way too many independent films like they go in. Oh, I just finished writing a script two weeks ago. All right. We bought the film. What? What are you doing? No, I I learned from working on um, the television show, the originals. Yes, Mm -hmm. things move fast and yes, things have to be perfect. But that off season, they were organizing and they were getting it together. So we can film for those long yeah, yeah, those long periods. When I do my independent films, these scripts are written months, years, something else out where we're planning and organizing. Because so when you get on my set, it is no different than when you step on the big dog set. Look, I'm not even at the point where we have cash trailers for crew, but we have those private rooms for actors and that's fine. And but that's all they appreciate. They appreciate that. It is still very, very organized. Lunch is arriving on time. People aren't staying on set 16 hours a day because we don't know what we're about to shoot when we get there. No, this stuff is planned out in advance. If you're organized, stop waiting until you get on set to decide what you're going to shoot. And you know what? Can, Can I be perfectly honest with you? The fact that you just said that, when you watch some of those films, that comes through. Yeah. Because it looks rushed. Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately, having been in this business for 19 years, I can't watch a film like a normal civilian. None I of us can. Can't. Right, right. 
Yeah. So my wife, my wife would be like, would you please be quiet? Please. I, I'm just trying to watch the film. Please. Did you see that? Please be quiet. But you know what? I've rubbed off on her because sometimes she'll turn to me and she said, did you hear that? And, mm -hmm. and that's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. If somebody turns to you and say, did you hear that? And it ain't a creepy sound. It ain't supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the fact that you said that, it, it really points out that some, they, they rush it. Pre-production is there for a reason. And I always, I remember this, this young man I know, uh, Mark Johnson, him and his wife have a film company and they're, and they're phenomenal. And a couple of years I was talking to him and he said that he wanted to do this film. And I just asked him one question. I said, are you ready? And he said, almost. I said, well, see, almost ain't gonna cut it. I said, do yourself a favor and if you have to, push it back. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's not going anywhere. Because if you rush it, when you're sitting in a premiere, everybody's going to be looking at you like, what the did he just put out? So I think a lot of times, because I go in some of these groups and, and you know, they're, they're, on, they're on Facebook, like, yeah, I can't wait for my movie to, to drop. But my question is, did you do your due diligence in the making of that film? And unfortunately, so many of them did not that the coming storm, they ain't going to survive it. So now my question is. Floyd, hold on. Before yes, you get to your question, I got I to gotta interject to you. <laughs> <laughs> and I apologize if I've been interrupted. No, no, not at all. Brother, we, you know, this, this, this On my show, we're called The Rant Room because we do that. So I apologize. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, 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 not at all. Um, but I just wanted to say this. <laughs> and this is just some funny shit. <laughs> okay. Um, God damn it. Now you made me forget my goddamn thought. Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> what were you just talking about a second ago? And I had it right there. God damn it. Uh, it happens. I was talking about a Russian, Russian stuff. Ah, it'll come back oh. to me. I apologize. My, ask your question and it'll come back. My, See, now my, I forgot the question. Okay. Alternatives. Yes. If if these filmmakers get pushed off this platform, well, you know what? It's not an if, it's a when. And here's another thing, another observation, ladies and gentlemen, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. If you're not getting pushed off, you're getting pushed so far down mm -hmm. to where your film can't even be found. So what is the alternative for a filmmaker who possibly cannot pull their film off of Tubi through a film hub re-edit it, re, 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 you know, do some shots. What, what are the alternatives for them? There's always a streaming platform that has something up next. There's like, there are thousands of streaming platforms out there. Like my films are on so many platforms because Film Hub will send your stuff out to wherever. My films are on platforms that I've never heard of and I, I don't bother taking them down because it's like, okay, go ahead and build your stuff off there. There, there will always be a place that has up next. Right now, um, Plex is also free, yeah. and they're taking a lot of different films. Films Roku has a lot of um, films that you could put up there. Cluster TV. There, there are a bunch of Popcorn. different ones. They're, they're vying, yeah, they're vying for their opportunity to have next. They probably want to be to fail, so they can get all the people. Mm -hmm. I, I shouldn't say fail. Kick everybody off mm -hmm. so they can build their sales stuff from there now will they be able to pay out 
like Tubi is paying out because Tubi, it took some years for them to start paying filmmakers uh, what we're being paid now. And I know that that even that's going to change that that payout. That's the only thing that I fear right now is the payout. My films are going to survive. But that Amazon change when it hit, when I went from a year out my film one of my films had been on there a whole year and i was still receiving between five thousand and seventy five of uh, 100 a month for a film that's a year old when i tell you that next month after that change and that check was seven dollars and 25 cents and i still had billions of streams Crazy. it hurt my soul so <laughs> That's the only thing that I fear with Tubi. It's okay, you're gonna change, but how are you gonna affect my pockets with this change? Well, they, they already said that um, they're going from the ad share to to a fixed fee. But they, Everybody but, they, but, they are, but they but they are still doing revenue sharing. Yeah, they're but they're being oh, yeah, they're still critical. doing it now. Yeah, but, but, but they're going to be very critical of the films that they that will be a part of it. I thought about what I was going to say. Say it so you don't forget it. I know. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. So you were talking earlier about sometimes, I mean, just mean to backtrack. You were talking earlier about sometimes the filmmakers, you feel like they're rushed. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so one of the things that I noticed with independent filmmakers is exactly what Mimi was saying earlier is they don't know how to prep. Like I'm about to shoot this series. We're shooting, we're only shooting the series for like three weeks. And, um, the we're prepping for six <laughs> you know what i mean mm -hmm. that's the type of work you have to do so here's let me give you guys a couple things that i do and i bet you guys do a version of it yourself when you're producing in the indie world here's one here's some don't do's watch this you know how your dp your friend your actor whoever has we're going to shoot at my cousin's house and you're like cool we're shooting at his cousin's house. Oh, no, 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 no. It is your job as a producer to go to that cousin's house, to meet the cousin, to walk around with them, mm -hmm. and to, to scout that location. Yeah. And don't do the director thing where you're scouting it as a director. You have to scout it as a producer. Yeah. Meaning you have to figure out the logistics. How are we loading in? Where are the actors in in the rooms, you know, do do they have a space? Like, I'm always like, do they have two or three bedrooms? Are we just using the main bedroom? Can we use the roommate's bedroom? Can I call the roommate? We're going to be in your room. We're going to take a picture of it before we do it. And we'll make it look like that when we're done. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Can we yeah. use your bathroom for the actors and nobody else can use it? Like, I'm looking at all that little logistic stuff, mm -hmm. you know, I want to make sure that the truck can load in right downstairs and nobody else can park there. You know, yeah. all the little, where's Crafty going to be? Are we outside? Are we inside? Like, how does it work? You know what I mean? How are we parking these 30, 40 people who are going to be on the set? Like, that's the smallest I do. How many so, outlets? Yeah. All that. Do you need a Can you use their electricity? Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. All like, of that. You need generators. What, what, um, what's the noise ratio? Yeah. How are are there planes? Are there planes flying over? Like I, mm -hmm. I, I use my house sometimes, but I'm close to the airport. I know that if we're filming, unless we're starting at nighttime, that if we're filming during the daytime, I know that by seven o'clock I need to be done. Right. 
because yep. those planes start flying super low at seven yep. and they are back to back to back and it is ridiculous. I know that that's not going to beat sound. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm not going to fight with that. So you, you, you have to uh, know those things that you have to figure them out. I even think of when we go, when we scout locations, I even take, cause I do my, um, my script breakdown and my sides, I have my stuff ready months in advance. So even when I have, I have my sides with me when we're scouting locations. Where, so I know yeah. what scenes we're filming. So I even know movement. Mm -hmm. If we, especially we don't have a lot of place. Okay. When we flip, what's going to go where now? Yes. I mean, okay, the actors were in this, able to be in this room, but now we're filming in this room. Well, where are they going to be able to go next? You need to know all of these things. Where are your people going to go um, during that time? There's another thing that I do. So say we're shooting at a restaurant, right? And the it is it is the DP's cousin. I'm just, especially black <laughs> folks. So it's my homeboy, right? Okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so, so this is what happens is you trust that somebody else has done their due diligence because that's their friend and they've been to that person's house or their apartment or their whatever it is that you're using. It is your job to confirm it. Right. Right. It is your job to make sure that it's okay to use it for this amount of time of a window. It's, it's your job to make sure, like, here's an example. Here's something that I've done in the past. And I'm not saying everybody knows how to do this. I'm not saying it's a trick, but it's part of my nice personality that I've done. Say we're shooting at a restaurant. I've already met the owner. We've walked around the place. I showed them what we're going to do, how we're going to be shooting things. I always tell them it's 10 more people. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. how many times, Tawan, have you been shooting and the DP decided to bring his friend and then... Mm -hmm. That person, the sound dude brought two more people. And next to you know, you got to know yep. it's people. Not yep. only did you have to feed, but did you have to justify who's there? Yep. Right? Nah, you better do, I'll close a set in the heartbeat. You cannot yep. bring anybody else unless it is me telling you that you can't. You're not well, bringing them. Uh, understood. But there sometimes, <laughs> sometimes in a crunch, I actually could have used another body. You know, for me, and I'm like, oh, if we can move faster though, and they're also a grip, okay, let's go. You know what I mean? I'll just. Oh, they're doing some work. That's different. Oh, they're not. These are people who are working right now because I'm getting these personal calls that I have to take. Okay, I'll make this quick if you don't mind. I'll make this quick. So, so here's what happens: that we're all loading, we're getting everything ready, we're about to shoot, and then here comes the owner of the restaurant. What happens is I will be, I will tell my assistant, whoever is working with me, the PA, whatever, whenever the owner comes, let me know. I'll find them, walk them over to Crafty, get them a coffee or whatever it is they want, walk them over to Video Village and let them sit with the comps on so they can get, so mm -hmm. they can feel like they're part of the set. When we break for lunch, I'm like, come on, let's go get some food. I bring them in and I can't tell you how many projects when i'm done somebody will go you know what i actually had a good time yeah. i'm only gonna charge you 1200 for this instead of four thousand whatever the fuck it, i can't tell you how many times that has happened right there's a scene where we need somebody to walk by won't you walk by and do this thing they're like yeah i'll do it you know what i mean i include them in the thing 
I thought that was common practice, but no, it's not. Like, I mean, I just do it naturally. Yeah. Like, you definitely want the people whose location you at to be a part, to be a part of it. I will throw. I have thrown people whose location is in as background. That's exactly what I'm talking. Yes. Yeah. Just, just to get them involved, and they get so excited, and that's how you also build relationships. But I really do gotta go. Well, well, wait a minute before you go. Tell everybody where they can find your films. You cannot leave without telling everybody where they can find your films. (laughs) Well, the conversation was about Tubi, so you can find my films on Amazon and Tubi. My latest film is Fractured. It is on Amazon. I am waiting for it to go to Tubi. Awesome. Congrats, bro. Nice to meet you. Always, always, always good seeing you, and we are definitely going to have to do this again. Absolutely. Look, All right, love. Take care. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, gentlemen, it's just it's just us. So we are about to about to close this up. So mm-hmm. so any any closing thoughts on the fact that Tubi is definitely changing, and as black filmmakers, the the next steps that we should take. You guys covered a lot. Um, everyone covered a lot as far as you know professionalism things like that. So any any closing thoughts? Well, I'll say this. It's um, I, w- I want to be very clear because we, we talked a lot about what filmmakers should do mm-hmm. and what they aren't doing. But I also want to give a little space for people who are doing the best that they can. Absolutely. Because a lot of times these these filmmakers, they're literally doing what they can. And sometimes they can't meet that that criteria criteria that's that's set they can't have these beautiful colored films or shot well but you can see that they want it they want to have that right but then on the other side of that there are people who just don't give a damn (laughs) and they will do whatever and they put it out there and they want you to like it and if you don't like it or if you have something and they ask you what do you think they don't really want your opinion (laughs) they want you to agree with them and so we have to be able to balance between the people who don't care and the people who do, but don't know how to get there. So for me, I, I don't, I don't speak about this online a lot. A lot of things that I do, people don't know because I don't post it. I help out a lot of people who are trying to make something work. Mm -hmm. I'll either go to a school in Compton or I'll reach out to people who are in Jersey or people across seas and I help them to develop a plan. What is it that you're trying to say as a filmmaker? What film are you trying to tell? What do you want people to get from this? And then I try to show them how to get there. And I, and in, and a lot of times they can teach me something. I you know I've been a colorist for 21 years. Someone that I was mentoring taught me something that I didn't even know because I'm I'm a I'm a sponge. I'm a student of the craft, so I'm always willing to learn something. But the people who I I uh, I can't learn from or ignorant ass folks mm-hmm. who are straight up. They know everything. They want to buck everything. And no matter what you tell, if you point out a fact, they don't want to hear it. Right. So I don't I try not to communicate much to them. But for other people, it's very important to understand what you're doing the tools that are available and understand how to use the tools. It's not wrong. It's not a bad thing if you don't know. Just understand how to use them. And if you don't know how to use them, ask for help. The last thing I want to say as far as with Tubi, with growth comes change. I'll say that again. They're not going to stay the same. 
They want to compete. They are the highest ranked AVOD platform out there. Do you honestly think that when they're sitting around with other millionaires and they say, oh, what do you have up there? And they start talking about those films that are up there. You think they want to do that? No. They want to get more investors involved. They want to be on top. So they're going to want to, you know, kind of conserve. They want to kind of get rid of some things and keep some things. So it's best to understand what's out there, what you can do, and how to make it happen. That's that's all I got to say about that. Agreed. And I'll just piggyback off of that and say it's everything is a pivot. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Nothing, and it's exactly what you just said, Tawan, like nothing stays the same. And for you to expect it to is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, here we are in this world. Yes, we fought for the AI of it all with the Writers Guild, mm -hmm. but still all these, but but there's still this part of it, but there's still the, you right, know what I mean? Right. So it's a constant pivot. The rooms still aren't as big as they we want them to be. They're still right. not going. There's still many rooms. There's still, you know what I mean? So it's it's just a, a constant pivot. And no matter what, whatever we do, your job, in my opinion, is to constantly be reinventing yourself. Yes. And the more you reinvent yourself, the more you'll be constantly <clears throat> not as focused on what's going on over there. Because only to me, only you can control your whole domain. You know, you could have made a movie and went on Tubi and it did really well or Amazon or any of those other channels, popcorn you were saying, and two years later, not have another movie. You know what I mean? So what did you, what did you do from that next two, move, two years? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm the type of person I don't wait for Hollywood, even though I'm in Hollywood. Right. <laughs> you know, I just keep putting shit out. And I, that's why I'm able to jump between network and independent. Because right. when I'm not doing network, I'm doing independent. When I'm not doing independent, I'm doing network. You know what I mean? It doesn't, you don't have to stay in one. Right. And, and it doesn't, it doesn't rule you. You still can make good money, you know, in the indie right. world. You just have to be smart. Yeah. You know? So yep. I encourage everybody just to, you know, learn your craft. It's a real thing. You know, don't yes. yourself, you know, you want to be a writer. You know, you really have to know what they've done before you. Because they are that good. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the yeah. same thing. If you want to be a filmmaker, you got to know what they've done so that you can grow and understand why still Steven Spielberg moves the camera a certain way he does. I could see his his film a, a mile away. As soon, soon, soon as it comes up in the frame, I'm like, this is Spielberg movie. I could see it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Paris Barkley, one of my mentors, I'm like, I know when he's directing. I can see the way he moves the camera. I met him. You know? I met him back in 2004. Oh, no. Yeah, it was it was it was cool. I never saw him again, but <laughs> his husband is my best friend. Oh, since nice. I was 17, nice. 18 years old. So nice. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nice. Anyway. So someone asked um Tawan, where can they check out your work? Uh another good uh filmmaker friend of mine, Derek Hammond, phenomenal filmmaker out of Philadelphia. He said, Where can I see your work? Oh, Derek, oh, it's on Tubi and Quayley TV. Okay. Yeah. What are they what are they called? What the movies? It's called sound. Sound. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Well, gentlemen, uh, yeah. Where can where can people find you? Where can people find you on social media? I'm on Instagram. Okay. So my wife, she she, she got on me about this, and she's here. Hi, Crystal. Oh, she is here. Okay, yeah, she so, is here. So I work so much. I mean, the bags under my eyes are ridiculous. I work so much that I never really had time to really work on my website. So the only thing I have right now is my Instagram. It's at Director Bazemore. And I don't go on Twitter anymore. So 
you'll find me on Instagram or on Facebook. So that's exactly where I am. That's it. Okay. That's what's happening. And Mr. Guest, where can they find you? I'm really simple. I am at Hilliard Guest on all your social media platforms. And um, we are rebuilding my site for Screenwriters Rent Room. And it'll be just screenwritersrentroom.com. New logo, everything will be jumping off in the next couple of weeks. And um, new episodes dropping. Like I said, we'll be dropping episode 477 on Monday. So with uh, nice. director Jeff Bird. So indeed. beautiful, beautiful. Check it out. It's a phenomenal um, podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I listen to it religiously because as uh, these gentlemen have stated so eloquently, you never know enough. That's mm -hmm. the one thing that I love about this business. You never know enough. And, you know, like you said to Juan, if I run across anyone who says, well, I know everything, I am running from you so fast. I'm like, exit right, stage left. Because I, I, I can't entertain people that know everything because, in my opinion, there is absolutely no room for growth. That's, that's, that's how I see it. But this yeah. has been an absolutely amazing conversation. Um, everyone who tuned in, thank you guys so much. We truly appreciate you spending an hour and 20 minutes with, with all of us. I was hoping that um, Tiffany would be back in time, but I guess not. But you can check out her film, um, Black Girl Erupted and Holiday Heartbreak. Um, they are both on BET, her phenomenal holiday films, the great, great films. Um, follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, A Conversation with Floyd Marshall Jr. The algorithm really loves when you do that. And if you are on YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube channel, A Conversation with Floyd Marshall, because this year we are going to be bringing you guys some really groundbreaking interviews. I We, we have some really exciting people um, coming up in the very near future. And ladies and gentlemen, again, I hope that you enjoyed this podcast. More importantly, I hope that all of you have learned something that you can take away that will make you a better business person in this industry, but also just a business person overall. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, this is how I always like to end it. Love this like a hobby, but above all else, treat it like a business. Everyone Man. have an absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal night. Peace. Thanks for having us. Thank you. All right.